0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Vita Podcast, where we help educate military veterans and their spouses on career opportunities in Web3. Our plans to host a series of industry leaders, many of whom are veterans or spouses themselves, so we can learn about their journey down the crypto rabbit hole while understanding opportunities for transitioning veterans in the industry. My name is Chris Perkins. I'm president of CoinFund. I'm a combat marine vet who spent 15 years on Wall Street before transitioning into the crypto space. And before we begin, I really wanted to thank our sponsor, Luca, who have dedicated their time and resources to make this podcast possible. Today, we'll be speaking with somebody very special—an Army veteran and Purple Heart recipient, Jonathan Allen. Welcome, John. Hi. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, really appreciate you coming on today. Um, so, John, let's get started. Where did you grow up, and, and why did you join the military?
1: Yeah, um, grew up in Sacramento, California, um, born and raised, and uh, joined the military uh, for a couple reasons. I mean, uh, you know, one of the main reasons was definitely to pay for college. Um, that was definitely kind of like one of the attractive aspects. But, um, you know, it, it was really just kind of like serve my country. But uh, the college piece was definitely a huge incentive for me. Got it. And so
0: what did you do in the military? Can you tell us about your service?
1: Yeah. So I did five years in the Army. I did explosive ordnance disposal. And so, yeah, it was one of those things where I um, didn't really know much about a lot of the jobs. Like I was one of the first people in my family to join the military. Um, you know, so I went and took the ASVAB, like scored quite well and had kind of like my pick of the litter. And, um, you know, they started kind of describing the different, uh, kind of, uh, jobs that you could take. And it was like, you know, special forces, EOD, and they told me that, you know, EOD school is on a beach in Florida and you get to blow stuff up and it was like uh, really compelling. And so I ended up going with that, uh, without really knowing a lot about it. but. Um, ended up getting into it and just absolutely loving it uh, It was just really challenging and had like an 80% fail-out rate and didn't expect to be necessarily kind of as mentally challenged In, in that job uh, as I ended up being Got it. And so um, I imagine you're used to bombs going off uh, <laughs> Particularly within your
0: current job, huh?
1: Yeah, it's kind of funny It's like the, the motto is like initial success or total failure And I think there's like a lot of parallels kind of with crypto because <laughs> um, like, you know normal kind of web development You get to kind of move staff move fast kind of break stuff and iterate But very much not for kind of uh, blockchain, and also not for disarming bombs. You only get kind of like one opportunity for that. (laughs) So you were deployed in combat, right? Yeah, correct. I deployed to Afghanistan. Are you comfortable speaking about it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So what was that like? Um, It was interesting. You know, for the first three months, uh, we were with uh, kind of like Aussies, and it was pretty, pretty mellow, pretty low key. Um, And then uh, we ended up replacing a unit uh, that was much further south. Um, so ended up going to the Horn of Pangeway, uh which, you know, was definitely a hot area. You know, we were kind of like bored the first three months, you know, just working out a lot and kind of hanging out and then um, got very, very busy. So, you know, went from kind of like a more formalized kind of a um, base to just kind of like an outpost. Um, so it was like probably 150 people, kind of tents, you know, uh, HESCO barriers and uh, you know, went, went out pretty much every day, like, found IEDs every day, gotten kind of, like, ticks, like, almost every day. And so, yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely kind of what we had trained for, so so kept things quite interesting. Got it. And, and you were wounded, right? Yeah. Um, it was kind of a rough deployment, honestly. Um, so I was on a team of three. Uh, like, EOD normally kind of works with teams of three, and then you kind of get delegated out to uh, different units. Um, and so all three of the people on my team ended up getting injured in kind of separate incidents, and so I was the second. Um, yeah, so... Uh, it's pretty pretty wild. Right. So, so tell
0: us about your transition. Um, I guess you were wounded and you, then you transitioned out. Is that right?
1: Yeah, correct. Um, ended up uh, getting um Had like 13 surgeries. Was in the hospital like a month. And then had about a year where I was kind of transitioning out. Going through like physical therapy, occupational therapy. Um, so... Definitely not necessarily the transition I had expected. Um, I was kind of 50-50 on re-upping, like I was actually kind of, you know, my contract was a, uh, I kind of was trying to make the decision during that deployment. Um, you know, the bonus was like quite large, um, like retention bonus, and then uh, also I would get my pick of duty station, so I was like probably going to be like stationed in Hawaii, and um, you know, a lot of incentive to stay in, so I was kind of like, do I want to get out and actually go to college and go to law school like I had planned to, or kind of stay in, But um getting injured really kind of like forced that issue and I had to figure out pretty quick what I wanted to do.
0: Well, how many, you said you had 13 surgeries, is that right?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Oh my god. And and so you were laid up for like a year and and was that when you started learning about crypto?
1: yeah it was one of those things like um i was just kind of sitting around you know like would have like one one, one OT appointment a day or one pt appointment a day and then just you know didn't really have much else to do like a lot of times i would just uh kind of be staying like uh, in my room just kind of hanging out because uh, it's not like i was like you know expected to do a lot of stuff kind of in that interim period and so had a lot of time on my hands you know just kind of i've always been super passionate about kind of tech political science like macroeconomics um always like enjoyed reading And I just happened to come upon the Bitcoin white paper and, you know, kind of encapsulated in that nine pages um, was just like all of these, the intersection of all of these interests. And so just totally went down the rabbit hole, would spend like all day on Bitcoin talk on like Reddit Bitcoin, like being on whale call team speak, you know, like just trying to kind of like get any data points uh, that, that I really could uh, to try to learn more, more about the space.
0: Wow. So so there you are re- recovering, going through physical therapy after 13 surgeries. You start reading about crypto, um, and I imagine the amount of information out there um, was it, this is like what 2013 or so yeah 2013 so back in 2013 I imagine there wasn't the the depth of information and research that we see today what, what was it the quality is your can you tell us can you unpack that a little bit
1: yeah it's funny like I would tell people like um you know back then it was like you know i had like pretty much every re- keyword for bitcoin of the day i would just try to like read anytime somebody like mentioned it you know and just kind of like scrape like any page that i could find and um probably took me like an hour to two a day um which looking back now i mean if you're interested in crypto like you could read 24 7 and there's probably like more you know significantly more content than when you started so it was a, a little bit slow you know like you know trying to find meetups or trying to find people to talk to or trying to find groups it was uh, it was quite sparse and, you know, I was kind of like consistently over the next like two, three years, like always that person posting on Facebook, you know, trying to get people excited about it and like always talking to my friends about it. And they were like, cool, this magic Internet money, you're going to like <laughs> lose all of your money. But, um, yeah, it was um, definitely not as prevalent as today where, you know, you're seeing it kind of all over TV and company crypto companies sponsor and do commercials. And it's, it's really just kind of everywhere, especially compared to back then.
0: Well, now we actually do have managing internet money, the
1: MIM (laughs) token. Yeah, exactly. (laughs)
0: Um, So, okay, so you're you're reading everything that's out there in 2013. Um, You go through your year of rehabilitation. Uh, What what happens next?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, um, ended up moving back. I was at JBLM, like up in Washington, um, Fort Lewis, um, and ended up moving back home to Sacramento. Um, You know, was just kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to do because you know, I didn't really kind of get that transition period to kind of figure things out. Um, and I, I realized I just really wanted to go back to school. Um, so still kept being kind of like very passionate about crypto. I ended up actually getting like uh, super into Casascius coins and like physical crypto. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar, but you know, it was kind of like a side interest for me. Um, I just thought it was kind of like a beautiful representation of like this physical, the digital money kind of encapsulated in one piece. Um, so I got pretty into that. Um, you know, started trying to go to more kind of like Bitcoin meetups and things of that nature, and then I ended up getting into UC Berkeley. Um, so that was kind of the next step. I was like going to college, which is kind of my original plan before I joined the military, which was great. And uh, t- tell us about your college experience, Jonathan. Yeah, I mean, it was fantastic because it was like, you know, I'd always wanted to go to Berkeley. Um, it was more for like the law school aspect of it. But then, you know, getting there, I decided I think like, you know, business and just kind of like starting my own company was something that I was a bit more passionate about. Um, about six months before that, I had worked for like a small tech startup and really just kind of caught that entrepreneurial bug. Like, um, you know, my mom did daycare and my dad drove a forklift. Like, I never really knew it was possible, you know, to just start your own company and come up with an idea and get funding. And so I was just like, wow, this is absolutely fantastic. Um, so, yeah, I ended up starting at UC Berkeley and um, there was a Bitcoin association there that had been started for a year or two. And there was like a de- decal that was made by Max Fang and um, Philip Hayes and a couple other folks there. And, um, you know, the Bitcoin meetup was just very casual, right? It was just people hanging out and talking about crypto, just kind of like all the other meetups. Um, But then, you know, they ended up kind of planning it was like start a blockchain club Um, And so I was gonna uh, basically end up applying there, um, but my friend Ronan um, he, I met him in a statistics class because he was reading a CoinDesk article. I think it was Coindesk. It was like a crypto site, and in one of our stats class, and I like looked over his shoulder um, and like you know, like stalked <laughs> him down after class. And he's like, "Why are you looking at my?" He's like this Israeli kind of like IDF guy, and he's like, "Why are you looking at my laptop?" <laughs> and then I was like, "Hey, I'm super passionate about crypto." And then um, you know, we ended up becoming quite close, and it was uh, cool because you know, then this blockchain at Berkeley initiative ended up getting started, and I just. Uh, Got got obsessed with that, you know, it was a great group of peers people were super motivated, you know, it started out as a student org um, but then you know We started talking with people like Airbus and Qualcomm and BMW and we thought we would just do these small research projects but we ended up building like blockchain products, you know and kind of like proof of concepts and um, winning bids against some of these larger kind of consultancies because they were still very much in the fact-finding phase where as we were deep into it we wanted to build it and our timeline was like hey we want to get this done in a semester as opposed to kind of billing thousand dollars an hour and figure it out next year kind of thing so um you know re- really enjoyed that um but you know it was a good experience but realized they're slow to move they're not actually going to use this in production there's a lot of legal hurdles for for kind of those large companies um so then i ended up uh working with more startups which was timely because that was kind of beginning of 2017. And then, you know, about six ish months later, like the ICO boom kicked off. Um, So I was working with kind of like two different teams to help with uh, uh, different ICOs. Um, So probably worked with around 30 different ICOs doing like smart contract auditing, white paper writing, token economics. Um, and, And that's really kind of where I got like deeply involved in kind of more entrepreneurial application of blockchain stuff, which was great
0: wow well, i imagine that original berkeley community um was pretty powerful and i bet you a bunch of those folks went on to do big things in the crypto
1: space oh 100 i mean i think like it just really kind of changed the trajectory of my life because like you know I, like being with people who are so passionate and so motivated and so knowledgeable and like going from trying to scrape the web to try to figure stuff out to have these like in-depth discussions you know and like white paper circles where people were like deep diving and like networking and being able to share that info with people who are like equally as passionate if not more than me um you know it was absolutely wild and yeah there's been been a ton of projects that have come out of berkeley from kind of my peers and and from uh, kind of groups after the fact which has been fantastic got it and so,
0: you know, at that point in your career, uh, it's the ICO boom, you're there helping various projects with, uh, auditing, smart contract auditing, et cetera. Did you just ride the, the boom up and then, then ride it back down? Or how did, how did you, how did your career, uh,
1: map out as a next step? I had been, um, pretty kind of like actively investing, um, like personally, um, and then, you know, in doing a lot of these kind of like very hands-on kind of, uh, um, kind of work like with a lot of these teams, um, we ended up getting like kind of six, six, seven figure token allocations, you know, like for that team. And we were like, okay, we're just like this ad hoc student group, you know, like doing work, like should probably formalize this into a fund. Um, so me and two partners kind of winter break of our senior year. Um, we ended up flying around to six countries, raised 25 million, uh, started to crypt capital. Um, Because, like, at that time, there was just a lot of fluff, right? There was, like, a lot of things that we just thought weren't fundamentally interesting or correct, Um, you know, and we thought there was a real lack of kind of very technical funds. Um, So we thought it was quite differentiated. Um, You know, once again, I had no idea that you could just go raise a hedge fund and, like, invest, and so, like, it was a fantastic learning experience. Um, You know, all of us were pretty young on the team, but... We really had domain expertise because this was a very very kind of nascent like new technology um so started the fund february 2018 um being like a long only venture style kind of fund which looking back was probably terrible timing um, but was a fantastic learning experience because um, it was one of those things about like kind of the investment time horizon and almost all the projects we inv- invested in, we kind of like drew this dichotomy between like missionary versus mercenary. Um, there were a lot of mercenaries back then that just wanted to flip tokens and, you know, this is like, you know, they're like, this is decentralized Airbnb or decentralized, you know, not to knock anyway, cause I know there's some other iterations now, but it's like, you know, they just want to decentralize it and have a token. And it just really had like no kind of fundamental innovation. Um, and the team didn't necessarily have that mindset to see it through. Um, so we made some really fantastic bets um, kind of early on. Uh, the fund ended up doing pretty phenomenally well. Um, and yeah, you know, we invested in very technical founders, mainly privacy preserving tech as well. Um, you know, back then kind of talking about ZK Snarks and Starks and multi-party computation was a, you know something a lot of people weren't talking about. But it's it's really great kind of seeing that come more to the forefront uh, with a lot of these uh, new solutions.
0: Yeah, I think there's been a lot of folks who have actually criticized crypto because it's not private. <laughs> Um, But in fact, it's actually very public and, and that's been something that people are trying to close. So, so you're at Decrypt Capital, and I think it's very also it's very common as well for people to start almost on a, from a consulting perspective, right? Where you're there auditing smart contracts, you started to identify the value, then you open up your fund where you knew it was out there, you invested in it. Are you still at Decrypt Capital, and and, and what have you done since?
1: Yeah, so uh, <laughs> kind of a long intro, but I'll kind of catch up. I mean, so um, you know, in, in doing that, we realized that like you know there was a conference every day. I think was like in 2018 was kind of like the narrative, and like all of them were just type right it was people trying to get you to buy tokens and you know we got to the point where me and my partners didn't even want to go to these and so we're like we should start one for the founders we're investing in for the builders um so ended up co-founding san francisco blockchain week you know, which was another learning experience. You know, we had hosted some small events at Berkeley and we're like, how much harder could it be to go from 300 people to 3000? You know, it's should be linear. Right. But, um, definitely not, um, but it was, it was pretty great. Like I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, working with builders, building communities has always kind of been the thing I'm passionate about and then kind of investing on the side and was doing that for a couple of years and ended up getting connected to a few of the Bybit co-founders through a mutual friend. And they had talked about this Mirana Fund uh, that they were standing up um, and were interested in having me kind of uh, shift over to that to help uh, kind of stand up the fund. That was interesting. Um, it was definitely like a lot more resources, a lot larger scale than I'd been working with uh, kind of previously. But really the thing that kind of like engaged me most was they talked about this BitDAO entity. Um, and they're like, it has this $2.5 billion treasury, like Bybit's putting two to $5 million a day in contributions into it, which is about a billion dollars a year. And the kind of North Star was they wanted to support builders. And so I started to look at it and I'm like, this is exactly what I've kind of been doing, but on a much grander scale. Um, So I've been extremely active in the BitDAO community, drafting proposals for Game7, which is a 500 million gaming ecosystem DAO, uh, for EduDAO, which supports student groups like Blockchain at Berkeley, Blockchain at MIT, um, you know, Harvard, like there's about eight schools in this first batch. Um, Because for me, it was like, how do I kind of give back to this community um, that, you know, kind of very much influenced my life for the better. Um, So, you know, real passion project, kind of getting EduDAO passed. Um, and the latest one that just passed, um, that, that I helped kind of draft was ZKDAO, um, which is a ecosystem support fund for the ZK Sync uh, uh, platform. So uh, yeah, so kind of dual heading between investment at Mirana, um, and then also very involved in kind of BitDAO and these these autonomous entity initiatives. You know, I think there'd be some listeners, uh, Jonathan, that, that don't know what a DAO is. Can you maybe unpack that?
0: And then specifically around BitDAO, you know, how do you leverage the DAO concept to to do what it does?
1: Yeah, so I mean, it's like uh, (laughs) the definition that everybody always starts with is it's like a decentralized autonomous uh, organization. Um, But what that kind of functionally means is it's like instead of having kind of this top down governance of like a normal company where you have kind of like a CEO, you know, COO, kind of like all those C-suite executives kind of guiding, it should really be more oriented toward bottom up. Um, there's a lot of different structures kind of be tri- being trialed on what that looks like. But overall, it's like you should have a more decentralized governance structure. You should open it up to the public and you can have it operated by Web3 native tools. And so what that means is like, you know, you can have these tokens kind of uh, sent around to all the people who are members of that organization. They can use those tokens to vote. Um, and then you can also have kind of like a, a multi-sig or kind of like a, a wallet that you use to kind of send and receive funds. Um, so. You know, what that looks like in the underlying, you know, that's still kind of like an LLC or a C Corp, or if you don't have it one, it's still a partnership. You know, it still has like kind of that base entity, but it's the DAO kind of mechanism is really just a a kind of innovation in the governance. Like, how are you making decisions, Um, which is really cool to kind of see because you've seen a lot of these community run, community led um, and a lot of different kind of structures for how things get decided.
0: Yeah. The the one thing that, that I've always noticed about crypto is that it's all about community and when you look at something like a DAO, i always thought you know it really reflects american values because it's democracy in action and the technology like you talked about voting and governance but the technology allows democracy and, and democratic governance to really work right
1: yeah yeah 100 and i think it's like um it's kind of interesting because a lot of people like to act like DAOs are like binary like it either is or it isn't you know like there's this constitution now, right? Where it's like, I think like 10,000 people or something contributed, you know, to spontaneously try to buy the constitution. Like, obviously that's very decentralized. Like, I think like one person running everything, that's definitely not, you know, a DAO, but it's like somewhere in between. I, I also think it depends on like the mission and the expected outcomes. and. It's kind of interesting seeing like these DAOs just really speed run like all the different governance kind of models we've seen in history. And a lot of them end up being like this representative democracy, you know, like this republic, right, Um, with kind of committees deciding things and kind of having the masses be able to elect and point them. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of a lot of work to do to kind of balance that decentralized nature of things, but still be efficient. Um, And finding which models kind of work best for that um, is something that's really cool to see. Awesome.
0: So last question about about you and your your background, Jonathan, then I'd love to pivot to, you know, some advice that you can give vets as they're thinking about the transition. But, you know, tell us about a typical day. Uh, You know, what's a day in the life of of John Allen
1: these days? I think that's one of the things that I like most um, about kind of like Web3 and crypto is like it's just it. I always tell people it's, like, uh, more traditional jobs is kind of like a two-dimensional model of you. You know, like, you, like you're like expected to do these roles. You're put in this, like, bucket, and then, like, that's all that you do. But, like, maybe you have other interests, right? Like, maybe it's, like, not something that you just, like, optimize that one kind of skill set. Um, so it's, uh, you know... Very, very interesting. And so I think like in my current role, like I mentioned, um, kind of 50% is to like a lot of these autonomous entities. Um, So like Game7, EduDAO, um, ZKDAO, a lot of that's like setting up the entity structure, kind of setting up the governance, kind of like hiring for those positions, like figuring out what the kind of like role of it should be, what the narrative like, it's really like, you know, standing up kind of like the startup, right, like figuring out how to how to best integrate the community and how to open that up, um, you know, which is great. And then the other 50% um, is at Marana Ventures, and so this is, you know, diligent projects, kind of working with our existing portfolios, um, kind of giving assistance for that. Um, it's also managing the analysts and kind of uh, other employees um, in the fund who assist with a lot of this deal flow. Um, and then just in general, I mean, between like BitDAO and Marana and then Windranger, uh, which is kind of the, the uh, partner entity that we work with a lot for kind of ecosystem development, engineering, design, uh, marketing. Um, there's just a lot of interviews uh you know bitdao started in september marana started a couple of months before that and so um it's just growing very quickly um so trying to kind of expand the team like <laughs> do those investments and then uh, build these kind of new entities with bitdao so it keeps things uh, extremely exciting you know, that's one of the
0: exciting things about the space is you know your latest ventures are relatively new but if you really unpack the entire crypto industry yeah, the Bitcoin white paper came out in 2008. Yes, Ethereum came out, you know, white paper 2014, 2015. But almost everything that we deal with is less than five years old, and it's moving so fast. Yeah. So I guess my next question is, you know, back in 2013, you're able to learn everything about crypto, you know, in a couple of hours a day while you're laid up in the hospital room re- rehabilitating. How should transitioning veterans think about getting up to speed on in this industry now how do they educate themselves what would you recommend John?
1: i mean i think like one of the best resources if just there's a couple of different ways to engage i think like the one that's like the most kind of like passive um would just be like crypto twitter um it's kind of what we call basically like all of the people in crypto on twitter it's really like its own own bubble Um, so like following a lot of the people and i mean you can search kind of like you know top crypto kind of influencers thing and maybe start with that but then figure out what you're interested in you'll see kind of people who retweet people who reply and just kind of curate that group um it's kind of amazing like how accessible nearly everyone is in the industry you know like kind of anyone at any crypto company is pretty much on twitter having dialogues sometimes it'll be like lengthy threads where they um just communicate a lot of their thoughts and so I think that's one of the best places to kind of passively get that context. Um, but there's only, only so much depth there, right? Because people kind of externalize what they want, and that might not necessarily be what they think, right? Or what's kind of long-term minded. So, I mean, you have to be kind of aware of the bias and like why people are posting things there. Um, yeah, like Reddit cryptocurrency and Bitcoin used to be good, but now I don't don't really recommend it. Um, there's some kind of like Telegram groups um, that are, okay to join. But just in general, I think it's like finding a community um, of people that you can like engage with, um, be this kind of like friends or like other kind of individuals. And I think in general right now, it's like most of those communities are on discord. Um, so like find a project you're passionate about, you know, find something that's interesting or find like an NFT project or an artist and almost all of them has these discords. Um, and if you just participate and ask questions, uh, I mean, a lot of these people are just passionate about it and want to help you, but then also they're probably invested, you know, or they're like part of the project, right? And so they have like a lot of incentive to help you understand and to get you to be passionate. Um, so I think like that's probably the best kind of one if you want to actually spend time um, is like hop into a Discord of something you find interesting and just start asking questions, start engaging start kind of like making friends and having those conversations because like that direct way is much easier to learn than trying to scrape the entire like crypto Twitter and kind of net to like find kind of tidbits and piece it together. Right. Um, So that's that's what I recommend. Just just jump in somewhere and then um, hopefully kind of get enough context there uh, to be able to kind of uh, hop around to other spaces.
0: That's awesome advice. And and clearly, John, you're a super technical guy. do you need to be a computer scientist or a programmer or a coder to have a successful career in crypto? Um,
1: I don't think so. Um, I think it's like engineers are hard to find, like developers are hard to find, but equally as difficult are good community, manage- community managers. Um, you know, you're starting up all of these, like, especially like in the DAO space, you know, for a lot of these projects, like getting a passionate community and getting them engaged, like it's, it's very hard. And so it's like, you know, marketing, community managing, like design, UI, UX, like developing, like... Pretty much every position you can think of as hiring. So I think, like, whatever your skill set or whatever your passion is, um, it's pretty easy to find that role um, in a lot of these projects or a lot of these DAOs, especially, that are spinning up.
0: So, what excites you most about the future of the space across Web3? Um, what are the verticals that you're particularly interested in? I know you're a major DAO player. Um, But what gets you excited about this space?
1: Yeah, I think there's kind of like three verticals. I mean, you know, obviously there's, I'm interested in a lot of things, but I think there's like three primary ones. Um, You know, I I think like obviously DAO tools, um, just because it's such a like nascent space. Like there's just so much that's left to do. Like just how do you communicate with people? How do you get people spun up on what the context of the Discord, you know, what the DAO is, you know, what they're doing? Like how do you incentivize voting? How do you make voting easier? Like how do you kind of reduce this friction of having to use like telegram and discord and discourse and snapshot you know and like stack all these tools like how do you reduce that friction um how do you have like better kind of governance models so i mean yeah and it was a ton there i think that's like obviously directly aligned with a lot of stuff i'm working on as well i think game um you know a lot of this kind of like play to earn stuff popped up it was like very noisy and you've seen a lot of kind of uh just very kind of people who are trying to quickly kind of flip like existing games put a token into it and very similar to like 2017. Um, there's a lot of similarity there, but in general, I think that gaming is just such a massive industry. Um, I think especially with COVID, more and more people are you know into gaming or looking for kind of like hobbies that are you know digital in nature, and so I think we've seen kind of you know the progression of gaming from you know kind of like free to play, pay to win, and now like, you know, kind of pay to earn or some kind of economic mechanism within it. So I think that there's just a ton of potential to unlock there. Um, there's a lot of hurdles as well, because a lot of people think, hey, crypto is just generally a scam and write it off. And then the, you know, the other half are like, hey, gaming is a scam and they're just trying to extract value out of me by making me pay for downloadable content and pay to play, you know? So like you have the intersection of two industries that need to work on trust, um, you know, which is kind of ironic because like blockchain, you know, Give this primitive of trust but um anyway kind of a tangent um so i think game there's like a lot there there's a ton of money there's a ton of interest there's a ton of very talented people from traditional gaming as well as blockchain working on some cool stuff there um and i think last but definitely not least um is just your own knowledge proofs um I, I think there's so much application there and i think kind of the minority application form is privacy um i think of like a lot of stuff that like snarks and kind of like starks like what they're using kind of like the, the s and snark stands for succinct Um, And so you're able to create this kind of succinct proof. And so people are using it for scalability. You know, they're using it um, for kind of like that concise property to kind of like uh, kind of manage data in a more kind of maintainable way, uh, because blockchains make data very expensive to host. Um, So anything that can make that smaller um, has a lot of kind of benefits to this.
0: Very cool. And and I think a lot of these verticals are interconnected as well, right? Um, You know, when you have a game, it's a community. It's kind of a DAO. And yeah, I guess you'd want some... know privacy within that community as well at times so what advice would you have for a veteran or spouse who's trying to break into the space
1: it's easy to get overwhelmed there's like a lot going on but it's like i think you kind of like dip a toe in the water and find a group that you align with Um, i think that's the biggest challenge like making that first step Um, and so like i mentioned like there's a lot of communities that are incentivized to kind of like educate you and kind of like help you kind of get spun up so i'd be a bit selective with that first one is because It's kind of interesting i think like where people tend to get into crypto like there can be a bit of bias um like crypto is very tribal because people are making money you know and trying to have you invest and so like there's there's some bias there right so just kind of be aware of the context of kind of the stuff that you're doing but in general i think the majority of people i've interacted with have just been super passionate like really excited um you know just like want to kind of share this with people um it tends to be like you know when you're in crypto you're always that person who can only talk about crypto with your friends and so I think just like find that group, find people that you get along with um, and just like pick their brain. Um, and just like, I think that's a good foundation. And then you, you can build from there.
0: Yeah, look, I think you're right. Any industry you're trying to break into, it's about people and it's about network. The thing about crypto that I've noticed, though is that it's much easier to form that, that network and that community by referencing some of the tools that you spoke about, right? Like the discords, even the Twitters. So uh, I totally agree with you. Um, so last question John any last thoughts and and how can people connect with you
1: yeah I mean probably the best way is on Twitter Uh, it's just uh, Jonathan T. Allen 1 it's a very uh, very common name so didn't get kind of my pick for handles but um, yeah that's that's probably the, the, the best way to connect yeah
0: Awesome. Thank you. What an incredible story. Everything from your service through your transition. And what a great talk today. And I also wanted to thank our sponsor, Luca. Uh, you know, These guys go above and beyond to support us as we film these podcasts. So we can't thank them enough. Uh, if anyone's interested in learning more about Vita, uh, please connect with us on LinkedIn or Twitter. If you have any ideas of other people that we should bring on uh, to this show, uh, please reach out to me at, uh, on Twitter as well, PerkinsCR97. And thanks again, everyone. Have a great day.